you know, in, in all the different kind of mediums that I've, I've done, I've gotten different kinds of, of feedback. Um, but with the gallery, you know, I mean, it was pretty instantaneous. Just mm. um, So pretty much the first thing that you did, you were like, yeah, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> but, but, I mean, there's definitely <laughs> art shows where I was like, I'm just going to do this thing and I'm going to keep doing it until people show up, you yeah. know, and like, we, we had no money. I mean, like everything, we had a Mac computer that was donated to us that was on a Mac box and an office chair that was off the street. Like our lighting was donated. Everything was donated. Mm. We had really, um, we were a scrappy organization from the beginning, you know, and we were absolutely DIY, you know. Mm. Um, it was a lot of heart and hard work that that fueled that space and sex work. <laughs> that too. Oops. Um, what we love best. And yeah, but you know, I mean, there were definitely shows where not a lot of people showed up. I still like. I mean, I'll I'll pack a house with you know a couple several hundred people for like a college gig, and then sometimes you'll go to like a bookstore gig where they didn't maybe promote or they didn't know about it and there's like two people in the audience or something you're like all right this is a very personal <laughs> reading like, let me just you know answer some some questions you might have uh, <laughs> we'll have a conversation so you know i mean i think that that happens to people at at, at all levels and all the time so, so I, you know i, I want to ask you a question about um you, you recognize yourself as a, as a submissive with a dominant personality, which is actually now a category in some of the kink uh, sites. Well, it's probably because of Madison. <laughs> yeah, but, but and, and I find that it, it's a dynamic that's uh, it's quite prevalent. So how do you, but there's still so many people, so many, especially women, who think that by submitting they are, are, are dishing their fellow women. So how do you respond to that, mm. even now? Yeah, um, so I, mean, I, I think that there, there are just different parts of our psyche, and I think that all of those parts of our psyche, uh, if we're, so I am a control freak, and I'm a Virgo, and I, I, um, I take on a lot of projects.
Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Review. This is Roman. We're here. It's Friday. It's March 9th, 2018. Hope everyone is having a good day and has an o- had an okay week. I know it's been trying for many folks. We're here to bring you some news and some music. And that was a request by Rick Patrick of New Age Steppers with the song My World. I had not heard of that before, of the band. Uh, Nana Cherry is in the band, so and this came out like in the 80s. So... Always grateful to hear music that I haven't heard before and I want to encourage folks. If you have any requests for music or anything you want to say in general, please feel free to call in. Our phone number is 415-550-0511. I usually start off with the show with a rant of sorts of things that are on my mind. And I'll probably get to that a little bit later because I haven't had a chance to really formulate my thoughts or the things that are really particularly frustrating and there's a lot of things that are frustrating. I have a lot of ideas and things that I think would be good for the world, and I also am fearful to say them out loud or online. I think a lot of people would agree with these ideas. So I'm trying to manifest these in a maybe collective unconscious way without necessarily verbalizing things in a way that might come back to haunt me in certain ways. One of these things that I thought about, I won't say my, you know, a there's step A to step B to step C, how things kind of correlate. But the 45 is going, coming to California for the first time since being elected, and none of us are happy about it. And he's going to San Diego, which thankfully is far. I mean, it's not good for anyone. It's not good. No matter what happens, it's not good. Anyway, the point is he's going to San Diego, so he won't be up here. However, Jeff Sessions was up here earlier this week, and a lot of people showed up to protest up in Sacramento. So sending a lot of gratitude out there to the folks who showed up to Sacramento to protest that little Keebler elf who's a horrible person. Anywho, so 45 is coming down to San Diego to look at prototypes for the border wall. And I have, and it's like, I think we all, how poetic would that be if for some reason a border wall prototype wasn't constructed, uh, you know, strongly enough and perhaps there was an accident, and then something happened. Uh, that's all I'll say. That's more than I wanted to say, but I think a lot of folks maybe have the same inclination. That would just be that would be very poetic, let's put it that way. I'm not in favor of any borders or any walls. I think all borders should disappear. I think they're imaginary. This idea that someone has the audacity to say, oh, this is what's going to separate people from land that was stolen. <laughs> it's ridiculous. There's been there's been reports of ice raids ac- across the country still. There's videos of parents being separated from their children. Ice agents, I'll say it before and I'll say it again. I have said it before and I'll say it again. They're acting like Gestapo. They're terrorizing people. Speaking of terrorizing people, what have the police been up to lately? Well, in San Francisco, they shot a 19-year-old to death a couple days ago. He was 19. I'll read a little bit more about that. His name is Adolfo Delgado. Uh, he was born in Mexico, and he was living and working in the mission, so not far from where the station is. And apparently the police, and the, the problem, there's so many problems with, the the thing is that after someone gets murdered, they don't have a chance to tell their side of the story at all. And the police, or whoever does the killing, gets to craft their narrative. So they can, they and they often lie to protect themselves. So here's a kid that was apparently hiding in the trunk of a car, and apparently the police said that they're going after a robbery suspect. Now, even if someone has been robbing someone, you don't shoot them. You Ideally, if that's something that's 
that has happened, you would maybe apprehend the suspect and say, hey, what's going on? Instead, they, they shot this person to death, this young person. And they interviewed friends of this person who was killed. And apparently he was undocumented and he was afraid of being deported. And that's why he was hiding. So we don't even know if that the person that the police were after was this person in the first place. We just know that this person was in that place, that Delgado was in this place at that time and was afraid of law enforcement and was hiding from law enforcement, which makes total sense. And the SFPD responded by, by killing him. So that's, that's still happening here. They're still executing people. And he was 19 years old. Still seeing the street sweeps here uh, by DPW, Department of Public Works, and it's under the guise of, you know, wanting to quote-unquote clean the streets, and, you know, folks are really concerned about cleaning the streets. How about actually providing housing for people? Instead, people who are on the streets, who are some of whom are living in tents, they oftentimes have their tents taken, they have their possessions taken, and or they have to move, and it's not easy to move a tent full of your belongings. It's this idea, it's like kind of it's not even putting a Band-Aid on a problem because at least Band-Aids are somewhat type of a solution, but this doesn't seem to be like any type of solution at all, and it seems really cruel. So that's my report from San Francisco. I do have to say, our interim mayor, Mark Farrell, who I'm not a fan of, he did call Jeff Sessions a moron, and it's very rare that I would agree with someone as conservative as Mark Farrell. However, I do. So there is that. Even a, what's the saying? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. But also Jeff Sessions is so, I mean, the bar is so low and that's what is, makes me very fearful is knowing that there are some people out there who are such deliberate enemies of the people like Jeff Sessions that anyone who, of course, folks need to recognize that. Uh, a friend of mine posted in, in New York, she was looking for a podcast that was funny and informative to share with students. And so I started making suggestions. And I, I did mention this one, and then I'm like, I don't know if this show is really that funny anymore. And I, I mean, I feel like when I have guests on, it can be funny. And then when I'm on my own, sometimes it's not as funny. So I would like to find the humor in the situations that we are, we're that of the world that, that's happening. And at the same time, so much of what's happening feels extremely tragic and depressing. And it's really difficult to express that in a way that's it, I mean humorous doesn't seem like the right way to go unless we can totally do it at the expense of those who are causing the the problems so perhaps that will be something I will aim for in the in the near future we'll most likely be having some cool guests on the program in the in the coming weeks so looking forward to that and also one of the people who's running for mayor here Angela Alioto will be on the next program Women's Magazine with Global Val, and that starts at 3 o'clock today, so please do stay tuned for that. And perhaps we can speak with Angela about coming on this show. That would be cool. All right. I have a video clip I'll be playing. Actually, it'll sound like an, it's an audio. We're on the radio, so it'll be an audio clip, but it is a video. There's a new study out, and it's about wanting to track folks who have been assaulted or harmed by police, which in my experience seems to be most people I know. And this is been put forward by the Do No Harm Coalition. And a few years ago, there was the Frisco Five, which were five individuals who went on a hunger strike until the police chief at the time, Greg Sir, was fired. And eventually he was fired. 
and there was this, there are many protests and many marches, and there was one incredibly large march. And at one point, the folks who were on the hunger strike were being wheeled by doctors, and doctors really are able to see that there's a correlation between people who are shot or harmed by police, and then they need to seek medical treatment. And then it also has to do with mental health, of course, as well, when there are people who you might have family members or friends who are harmed by police, and then they might need to seek medical treatment as well. So this is this study is being put forward by the medical community as well as people who've lost loved ones to police violence. And they're really encouraging folks to take the survey because even though a lot of us recognize the harm that's done by law enforcement, to have a study to back that up with, they're looking for 100,000 folks to take the survey. If they have the the study and the survey, they can put forward uh, scientific research that will really um, help them perhaps express that to other folks who are still in doubt or unaware of what's happening. So we're looking forward to having some of those folks on the program in the near future. Hope that can happen. And later on in the program today, we'll be playing an audio clip of a woman who recently lost her son to police violence. And when we hear these folks tell their stories, their their firsthand accounts, it's so heartbreaking. And how can anyone not empathize with what uh, a parent or a loved one is, is going through having to deal with the fact that law enforcement has unjustly taken one of their children. <sighs> okay. Moving forward. <sighs> Revolution Books, which is a bookstore in Berkeley, it's really close to UC Berkeley. They've been receiving threats for a while now from some of the MAGA folks and right-wing folks. And recently, there are some folks were caught on video saying they were going to burn down the bookstore. And that sounds like Nazis to me. And so that's been... They've gotten the word out about that. So do support Revolution Books if you're able. Support independent bookstores in general, everywhere if you're able. I feel like bookstores already have the threat of having rents raised and more folks buying from Amazon, which is evil. <laughs> and the idea is to, to support independent bookstores if you're able, especially if they're being targeted by right-wing white supremacists. Years ago, there was a Modern Times, which was a great bookstore here. It was here in the mission. It's moved around. It moved around at least twice I know of, and or it moved. It moved once, and they did a lot of really great things. They hosted meetings there. There was the queer open mic that was there. A lot of awesome people worked there, and they had an awesome selection of books. And I really miss that space. So, a lot of the times you don't really, you don't, you don't know what what's available to you until it's gone. And I think. Some of us as consumers, I know that's tricky because a lot of us who <laughs> would prefer to support smaller businesses might not have the capital to, but if we're able to, to really support smaller businesses, it's not just the people being evicted from their homes, it's small businesses that really end up tearing apart a city. And what what point of is there to live in a city if everything becomes chains and has no soul to it? So speaking of places to boycott, Wells Fargo, I haven't talked about them in a while. By all means, if you are if you have an account at a large bank and are able to move it to a credit union, by all means do. And there's an article that came out recently that's saying that Wells Fargo is the big bank for the NRA. So that's an extra. I mean, the big banks support wars anyway. I know Citibank's affiliated, um, Bank of America. So in in addition to defrauding their customers and charging late, you know, fees and just the whole banking industry is just so corrupt and terrible. They also take money from people who like to kill people. And so, or defend people 
when they do kill people, which would be the NRA. So I'm going to read that. start off with that article because why not? And then I'm going to promote a smaller business, which is the opposite of that. And, okay, here we go. The article is from the LA Times. Wells Fargo is the top banker for the NRA and gun makers. Ooh, gun makers too. So if you bank with Wells Fargo, please consider uh, joining, taking your money out, and tell them why, and join a credit union. There's a lot of credit unions around. There's many to choose from. So I encourage folks to do that if you're able. And this came out on March 7th, 2018, and it's from Bloomberg, and this is on from the LA Times. Wells Fargo & Co. has emerged as the preferred financier for the U.S. gun industry. The San Francisco Bank, oh, San Francisco, why? It's like we're the we're like the home to Uber, we're the home to Lyft, we're home to Wells Fargo. Oh my, oh goodness. <laughs> There's so many big, you know, you would think a city that's the home to so many uh, well-to-do businesses, we wouldn't have people who have to live on the streets. The San Francisco Bank has helped two of the biggest U.S. firearms and ammunition. And also, I'm going to interrupt myself here. Perhaps there should be some protests outside some of the Wells Fargo's here. I know there's one in the Castro that's like, we hire gay people. I'm like, that's great. And also, you're taking money from gun makers. So doesn't quite even out. All right. The San Francisco Bank has helped two of the biggest U.S. firearms and ammunition companies access $431.1 million in loans and bonds since December 2012, when the gun control debate gained steam after the school shooting in Newtown, Connecticut, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. That puts it on the top of the list of banks arranging funding for gun makers. Wells Fargo also has a long relationship with the National Rifle Association, inherited from banks that Wells took over. The bank created a $28 million line of credit for the NRA and operates the primary accounts for the gun rights group. Also, I'm going to interject again and... Bank robberies. I'm putting it out there. I myself can't see myself participating in it. However, I'm just going to mention those two words, bank robberies. All right. Let me finish the sentence. Financial document show. All right. After the February 14th shooting at a Parkland, Florida high school that left 17 dead, retailers such as Dick's Sporting Goods, Inc. have implemented stricter gun rules, such as increasing the age necessary to buy a firearm. And some companies, such as Delta Airlines, Inc., have cut ties with the NRA's member benefits program. Those changes were driven largely by boycott movements on social media. Banks, which have made millions of dollars financing the NRA and firearms manufacturers, haven't seen a focus in the same way. And I'm going to add the word yet at the end of it because I think once word gets out there, and there's always been plenty of reasons to boycott banks and to move people's money, uh, let's let's see a boycott. I'm going to put that out into the world. A boycott of Wells Fargo. Poof. Let's see it happen. All right. Cool. That was easy. <sighs> All right. Moving along. We'll get to maybe another story or two, and then... We'll take another music break. Again, if you have any musical suggestions, sometimes I put the playlist ahead of, together ahead of time. And today, it just wasn't, that just didn't happen. So by all means, please do call in or feel free to comment on our Facebook page with any music recommendations you might have. 415-550-0511. Next up, it's going to be a somewhat positive story because that feels like we need to do that. Lego will start selling sustainable plant-based blocks this year. 
So this is from globalcitizen.org, and it's written by Joe McCarthy, and this came out on March 2nd. Lego has become an industry leader in going sustainable. Lego enthusiasts often imagine some version of their ideal world when buildings with the brand's multicolored blocks and accessories, thriving cityscapes, verdant fields, space parks. But with the knowledge that plastic pollution is overwhelming the world's ecosystems, buying any form of plastic comes to seem like a contradiction of environmental ideals. That's why Lego has decided to move away from plastic in its supply chain, according to a press release, and it could help customers feel less guilty about buying new blocks. It's part of a broader effort to dramatically reduce the company's ecological footprint by 2030. At the Lego Group, we want to make a positive impact on the world around us, and we are working hard to make great play products for children using sustainable materials, said Tim Brooks, Vice President of Environmental Responsibility at the Lego Group, in a press release. The brand's first sugarcane-based plastic items will be hitting the market later this year. All botanical elements, Lego leaves, bushes, and trees will be made with this material in the future, according to the brand, which account for 1% to 2% of all Lego products. Okay. In the future, the brand plans to expand its offering of sustainable blocks as part of its partnership with the World Wildlife Fund. At first impression, sugarcane would seem to be a bad and sticky material for Lego pieces, but the company assures its customers that the new blocks are essentially identical to the old ones. It's still plastic, but a form of plastic that has less of an impact on the environment, according to the brand. As of 2009... The brand claims to have produced 400 billion Lego pieces, meaning its contribution to plastic pollution is likely enormous. Globally, around 380 million metric tons of plastic are being created annually. Meanwhile, an estimated 8 million metric tons of plastic enter the oceans each year. Holy shit. Which is like emptying a garbage truck of plastic into an ocean every minute. We're fucked. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well... I guess it's a step in the right direction. I'm also terribly worried about planet Earth. And I also recognize this story is also kind of about consumerism where it still revolves around buying a product when we could actually also just trade the Legos that already exist in the world. And I also am concerned about who is growing the sugarcane crops and who the the human labor that's involved in this. However, I don't want to spoil it too much, but that's what kind of the show is about. So... Yeah, there we go. I guess good on them for making a move in the in the right direction. I'm going to read, uh, there's a meeting coming up. I'm just going to keep on going until I run out of steam and or my, my voice goes out and or I get, I get too depressed to speak for a little bit. Coming up on Monday, March 12th, Pack the Bart board meeting, Justice for Salim. And this is a public event. You can find it on Facebook. And I'm going to share it right now on our Facebook uh, weekly review page and you can find that by going to facebook.com forward slash weekly rev so if you're listening to the show and you go online you can check out this event there and all with all of those details and you can also mark that you're going and share it with your networks so it is now shared uh, so monday march 12th from 4 p.m to 6 p.m at 344 20th street in oakland Pack the BART board meeting, Justice for Salim. The details. Salim Tindall was murdered by BART police officer Joseph Mateu on January 3rd, 2018. Shot in the back three times. The family has since learned that Mateu is back on the job. Let's pack the BART board police citizen review board meeting on Monday, March 12th at 4 p.m. The family demands fire, arrest, and convict Joseph Mateu. Show up and support this family. 
And there's also a link to the uh, Facebook group, uh, Justice 4, and that's the number 4, Salim Tyndall, and that's S-A-H-L-E-E-M Tyndall, uh, killed by West Police, West Oakland BART Police. <sighs> so I'm going to now look for... Um, since we're we're speaking of uh, people murdered by police, I was gonna play the audio clip I mentioned earlier, and this is the the mother of the person who was murdered by the West Oakland uh, Bart police, and there was a the info session about the launch of the the justice study, and so I'm gonna play. I'm going to play her her speaking. So just want to, ugh, it's it's a lot. So also just wanted to provide a, a trigger warning. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so this will go on. It's, a, it's actually, it's about 17 minutes. So it's a lot. So I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to play this audio clip. And we'll find some, maybe take a bit of a music break afterwards, and then we'll be back with some more news. You're listening to the Weekly Review here on Mutiny Radio, so please do stay tuned. Never identifying yourself as a police officer. Because most times when you identify yourself as a police officer, I don't care what you're doing. You could be in a scuffle, you could be drunk, you could be belligerent. Whatever it is, when you say police, you're going to get their attention. So in hands up, hands up, my son put his hands up, unarmed, and was shot in the back three times. Well, I thought that's exactly what happened, that my son had a gun in his hand and he pointed the gun at the cop and the cop shot him. But there was a video, cam video, that revealed the truth because the truth will always be revealed. And I truly accept that. Yes. I was able to go and see the cam video that Joseph Matu had on his body. And it showed that he ran across the street and he actually shot my son in the back three times. My son went down with his hands up and still trying to comply to keep his hands up. And he was shot three times. The sad thing about it is people say he's in a better place. What better place is there than to raise your two children? He had two children. What better place? You know, deliver me of people saying, oh, they're in a better place. The better place was with raising his children, becoming a man, a full-grown man, a mature right man, raising his son and daughter to be men and women. But he didn't get that. That wasn't given to him because it was taken from him. We have to understand as a people, no matter black, white, mulatto, whatever race, creed, religion, it's about humanity. Everything is based on humanity, becoming highly human in your thoughts. It doesn't matter what race you are or what religion. It's highly human in your thinking to know that this is not right. Common sense tell me that's not right. 
and then acting upon it. So many people, they turn a blind eye. We have to fight for everything. Ask O'Malley last week, I said, District Attorney Nancy O'Malley, what, what are you going to do? Tell me, I know you've seen the video. See, I, I didn't have to go and call her all kinds of names. That's not my character. But I am going to ask you, what are you going to do about it? You've seen the video. Charges should be prepped. How do you put this man out there two weeks after killing my son, riding bar transportation, public transportation, where we pay taxes for this transportation for our children to ride? How do you put this man back out there without a psychological evaluation? How do you put anyone out there after taking someone's life? I asked her the question. She said, I'm looking into it. Well, we know what looking into it means, that you're not doing nothing about it unless, unless you see my face and see others' faces see your face and other people writing letters and demanding something to be done. If we don't do it, then who will? We can't leave it up to, well, we, I was waiting on so-and-so. No, it's in your hands. It was told to you. When something is given to you and you heard it, it's like I tell my grandchildren, if you see a coat on the floor and you just walk past it, you say, it's not my coat, but you saw it. You should have picked it up. And this is for every one of us that's in here. You know, I, I, I really, really, it's hard to just keep telling the story over and over and over, especially when you're trying to heal. Mm -hmm. But people need to know what's happening. As she said, police care. That was the worst day of my life. To hear on the other end of the phone that my son, was just murdered. I, I was a children's see, but you have to understand, you can't forget about the other ones. Even though my other children are all grown, I have grandchildren, everybody seek your attention. You have to learn to balance it. You have to learn to be able to stabilize whatever's going on in your mind, in your soul, and in your heart. And make sure that you don't find hatred. You know, because we don't, we don't want to uh, do things and get things done through hatred. No, because we have earned and was born the R-I-T-E, the right to live. And then we have R-I-G-H-T, the law that everyone should live by. Hmm. Even this officer, he should be held accountable. And I thank each of you for having me here tonight and it was a blessing to be able to get up here and cry. Because I, I've been working ever since. The only thing that I can think of is, what can I do? Well, I, I need to do this. I need to write letters. I need to do this. I need to do posters. I need to, oh. So you don't have time to grieve. So I guess this is a period and a time for me to grieve. Even in front of you. Yes. I love my son like each of you love your children. And you would be mad as hell if it happened to your child. So help me that I can help you and whatever's going on in your life and in our community that we can help each other. 
As they say, united we stand, divided we fall. Thank you. All right, that was Yolanda Banks, and that was from the Justice Study. And there's a few more uh, speakers that we have, so I'm going to continue on and um, playing this video. It goes for another 10 minutes or so, and this will be some more just from that from that event. And we'll hear from some of the doctors there as well that will say more about this this study. And again, you can go to the Justice. It's there's a there's an event that was called the Justice Study National Launch Informational Session, and that they provided the video there. And they also have links to the study where folks can uh, take the study and share it. So I'm going to go back to. Uh, actually, I'm going to take a moment. There's a lot there, so I'm wanting to give that space and respect that. And I'm going to look for some more gentle music to play, and then we'll be back in a little bit. So please do stay tuned. It'll just take a moment as we look for uh, for some music. And again, I don't really have much I can, oftentimes don't feel like I have much I can contribute afterwards to when I hear <sighs> when I hear that so alright play a little bit of music and then we'll be back after that stay tuned
nobody, I'm blessed. Yes. Because I haven't seen any of my kids yet killed. But I like this study because I live with that fear in my heart. Whenever I see any of my grandkids or anybody go out because they're black and brown, I have black grandchildren, brown children. I panic. It's 12 o'clock. Get home, please. Oh my God, you know, the other day my grandkid had a car accident. I go like, oh, please, I hope he doesn't call the police. And he didn't. Because we were afraid he would get killed. No more help. They probably killed him. But we need to understand that. That's all I want to say to all of you. This study to me means a lot. Because we need to prove what's happening to our people. Yeah, because we show that it's mostly black and brown children that are being murdered by the police. To me, children, I'm going to be 70 years old this, this March. 70, okay? So these kids are children to me. They're children. And they're being murdered. We're totally impunity by the police. We gotta remember also that the police were born as a slave culture organization. Mm. We gotta know these truths so that we don't fool ourselves and think that you can reform a police department. Please, no, you need to transform it into something totally different mm. of how it was born and what it represents. Mm -hmm. If we people, black people, brown people, and white people can understand that that's the truth behind it, we can change what's happening to our kids. In the name of those whose life, like you said, have yeah. been stolen by the police. In the name, that's why we always call the names of the kids, you know, you go to, to the demonstration there every Friday, and we call Mario Wood, and we say, presente, 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 because they present in our life because we need to change what's happening. But we need to understand. You need to ask yourself, why did that white boy over there that killed nine black members of a church? They gave him a, a, a nice vest yeah. to protect him. And they took him to eat a hamburger at McDonald's or Hamburger Mary somewhere else. Because he was white. But I have nothing against white people. I love even the goddamn police because I think that we need to, like you said, sister, work out of love. When I went on the hunger strike, I said, I don't love, I don't hate you. I love you, but I hate what you do. Yes. And we need to part from that. So this study is fantastic, it's necessary. I want you to come to one of my parent meetings so that you guys can do this, the whatever, you know, the interviews or whatever you need to do because we need to show to the world, not just here, to the world, go to the United Nations, go to the everywhere in the world and show what's happening to black and brown yeah. young men and women in the United States of North America. We need to show that. And we need to understand that it's racism, white choices, yes. white supremacist, yes. and Nazi ideology behind the police force yes. that is doing this killing to our children. And if we understand it like that, then we can fight, not to whether they can have cases or not. I hate to go to those meetings to tell the police how they're going to wear a camera, and they hate the murders and what do they do they to that person? They yeah. know what they did. What do they do? You mm. tell me. We speak their own language. We have the wrong color of our skin. Mm. 
Yeah. I don't give a damn what they say. We're beautiful. Yeah. And we're going to change what's happening to our people. That's why I go there. Because we change it. Nobody yes. else is going to change yes. it. We, yes. the people that are yeah. being affected and murdered by the police, have to change it. Yes. And I thank all the white people that supported with that. I thank every white person that come there and march with us and said, I am with you. I yes. respect you. Yes. And I think that we need to do that. But I want you to please remember, please, I want to walk out of here by myself, please remember, why are they killing black and brown people? Please remember that racism is alive and well if not look how Trump got elected. The majority of white women in this country voted for him. Remember that? I don't understand that. Mm. We don't understand that, then we have a problem. And we charity do good and we want to do good to people. I don't need you to do good. I want you to fight with me together to change this. Yes. That's what I need you to do. So racism, white supremacists, Nazi ideology. Remember that. Please, if you remember that, you can change what's happening in your country right here. Again, black and brown people here. So please, thank you so much. I just want to tell you, you are invited to come and participate in these marches every Friday, 12 to 2. You can come in lunchtime because we're building a resistance. We walk to Sacramento for 96 miles too. We did 17 days of 100 strikes. And we have 73 weeks of resistance in front of that stupid garbage uh, district attorney of San Francisco. He talks about the sanctuary city. In a sanctuary city, they murdered Luis Gongora, who was a homeless man. And undocumented. In the sanctuary city, you have thousands of homeless people, mostly black and brown people. Oh, no. Okay, this is, this is the sanctuary city, but he's getting his money to pay cheap politicians uh, to do, you know, to keep all this surviving. So, all I'm saying is remember that come and you and I and all of us together can change it. We change it, but we have to be willing mm -hmm. to fight yes. and give our life if necessary to achieve that. That's all I say. Thank you so much. Maria Cristina Gutierrez again speaking um, and that was at the, the Justice Study National Launch Informational Session I'm taking a bit of a music break again and we'll be back after this in a bit so stay tuned
welcome back to the weekly review. I'm going to read a little bit more about the justice study uh, that we were talking about earlier. And folks can check out more information if you go to donohormcoalition.org. If you scroll down the page, there is a section for the justice uh, the excuse me the justice study. UCSF and Santa Clara University health researchers are investigating the health effects of police violence in a national confidential survey. The study takes 20 minutes to complete and is available in English and Spanish. Help us better determine the public health impact that law enforcement, police, ICE, FBI, etc. violence has in local communities, which can help shift policy and more deeply inform public understanding. Again, if you could go to the Do No Harm, which is donoharmcoalition.org, and then scroll down to the Justice Study, and you can find more information there. There's also pages on Twitter and Facebook if you want to share that link with folks as well. So please, by all means, do do so. Another event coming up is March 14th, Candlelight Vigil for Elena Ebby Mondragon, one-year anniversary, and this is a public event that's hosted by Together We Stand, Resistance SF, Anti-Police Terror Project, Active Youth in Power for Social Justice, Michael James Chapman, and the South Beach District 6 Democratic Club of San Francisco. So on Wednesday, March 14th at 5th, at 5th. Wednesday, March 14th at 5 p.m. at the City of Hayward Government at 777 777 B Street in Hayward, California. There's going to be a candlelight vigil. The details on Wednesday, March 14th, 2018 will be the one will be the one year anniversary of Elena Ebby Mondragon, who was killed by two Fremont cops, Sergeant Jeremy Miskella and Detective Joel Hernandez in an undercover operation. Please join us as we remember Elena Ebby and not let her name just go on just go on in vain or be forgotten uh, by uh, from the violence of the police. On Tuesday, March 14th, 2017, Elena Ebby Mondragon was 16 years old and pregnant when two Fremont undercover police officers, Sergeant Jeremy Miskella and Detective Joel Hernandez, were on an undercover sting operation. Elena was with three of her friends at an apartment complex near St- uh, Cal State East Bay in Hayward when Sergeant Jeremy Miskella and Detective Joel Hernandez shot at the moving car as the driver was backing out to leave the apartment complex, saying he was accelerating towards the police car, and that's in quotations, and that the officers, quote-unquote, feared for their lives, which they seem to say a lot, and if that's a thing, maybe you shouldn't be a police officer. Sergeant Jeremy Miskell and Detective Joel Hernandez ended up shooting seven bullets at the car, missing the driver, while five of the bullets hit Elena, killing her. Sergeant Jeremy Miskella is now the board of directors president for the Fremont Police Association, and Detective Joel Hernandez is still a detective for the Fremont Police Department. Oh, gosh. It's fucking disgusting. All right. So um, the we've shared the event now. I'm going to share it again on the Weekly Review webpage. It's ongoing, the number of people who are killed by police. Even I get, like, I'm not surprised anymore. I'm... Just deeply saddened and shocked by it. So if you're in the Bay Area, if you're in Hayward, please go check out and support the folks out there for this and also demand accountability for the people who did kill this this person. Ugh. On the flip side, we're going to do a... There's a lot of things to, to boycott and to protest, and then there's also things to support. There's actually a lot of things to support. We just end up sometimes on the show talking about the things not to support. However, 
quite the opposite. There is a new coffee shop in the Fruitvale area of Oakland that would like folks to support if you're able. And it's called um, Hasta Hasta Muerte Coffee. And if you go to Hasta, Hasta excuse me, uh, I apologize for my mispronunciation, HastaMuerteCoffee.com, you can find out more info. And I'm going to read from their page more info about them. And I found out this out this morning because, oh, we have a phone call. Hello? 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 Hi. Yeah, yeah, you're talking to me. You must not know who I am. You're sweet Gail. I know who you are. Yeah, but most of, well, a lot of the time they're pissed at me and they hang up on me. I won't hang up on you, Gail. Oh, God, I got to write this down. Okay. Not really. But, I mean, I can understand they're busy, but sometimes they get very annoyed. Sure. But at least you're not annoyed so much. So, so what's going on in your program today? Well, I was right about to promote a cooperative coffee shop in Oakland. A coffee shop? A, co- mm-hmm. a co-op? Yeah. 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 Are you in on it? Do you have a part of the action there? Uh, no, I've, I'm actually just hearing about it today, and I wanted to promote them on the air so folks can come by and support this coffee shop. I like those cooperative deals where they cut the people in that are working. Absolutely, and that's exactly what this place is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. So how are you going to promote it? How are you going to kick it out? How are they going to get... How are you going to make it attractive for people to come and shop there? Well, I'm going to read a description right now and then talk a little bit about what they've been going through. So on their website, they're listed as a cooperative coffee shop. And it says, Asta Muerte Coffee is a new POC collectively run, worker-owned coffee shop. We are committed to nurturing community. Yeah, maybe you can persuade people to go there instead of a big coffee shop. Exactly. I mean, don't mention no names. Because the big coffee shop will come over and sue you and kick your ass. Oh, uh, I don't think they. I don't think folks from Starbucks listen to this program. And if they do, I. Well, you but, know, you yeah. don't have to mention names. You can just say, you know, if you want to help working people, and you know, you don't have to call out no big company names. People can fill it in for themselves. Oh, sure, sure, I get you that. Know? Yeah, yeah, because some people. Don't like big corporations. Yes. You know, it gets me. I, I, I'm, I'm disabled and I'm on disability. And so I need somewhere to check cash my checks and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, a bank. And this bank, who must know my financial difficulties, they sent me something where they want to give me a personal loan. Okay. Come on. They're not doing it because of my good looks. Because, of course, when you take out a loan, you got to pay some interest. Right, right. And they already know from my overdress from the past that I'm not rolling in the do re mm. And they're trying to hook me into taking a personal loan. Mm. And I'm always getting junk mail. You want to buy some car insurance? I don't have a car. My favorite one is when they want to sell me life insurance. Oh, Oh, yes, so I can kick the bucket and other people will be up here having a good time while I'm dead. Mm. And if you get really bad people, they'll push you along to help you kick the bucket faster. Because oh. a lot of people knock off people for the insurance. Hey, I mean, even legal businesses try to scam you in a legal way. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I just, I was telling people about this thing. I seen a news story about, I think, this 29-year-old guy. 
he was looking for employment on the web, mm-hmm. and he connected up with the company mm-hmm. that made him a, like a secret shopper, uh-huh. and they gave him a couple of jobs, and I guess they paid him. Uh-huh. See, that was the whole scam. They were making him being confident that it was a legitimate deal. Uh-huh. Then they said they're going to uh, make him do transfer of money. They're going to work on that. So they send him a check for twenty nine hundred dollars. And he cashed it yeah. and sent the money back to them, wired it to them. And a couple of hours later, his bank was telling them the check was no good and he's yep. responsible for the $2,900. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that before. You see, that's scamming. Yep. Scamming is an art, man. They they make you feel comfortable, you know, and then they smack you. And this guy, he said he thought he was pretty smart and he's disappointed in himself for being taken that way. So, by the way, did you get your IRS phone call? Me, not yet. I got mine. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's late. You got to pay up. Oh. So, anyway, I tell people the way they get people is two ways. Fear and greed. Yes. You're scared you're going to go to jail or something. Or you're greedy that you're going to get some money that you didn't have. Yeah. Those are the two things that they work on. Yeah. They scare you into paying off, or they work on your greed, you see? Yeah. They're, they're experts, man. They had this guy, because, you know, you take it, old people get taken, but a lot of young people get taken. See, they knew how to do it perfectly. Give them a couple of little jobs, pay them, lull them into a sense of confidence, and smack them with the $2,900. hours. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's an art form, really. It's crooked, but it's an art form. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching Doctor Phil a lot, and he does a lot of these things where people send hundreds of thousands of dollars to someone they never met because they're in love. Oh. That's gonna be their life's partner. Mm. They're in love. <laughs> scam, baby, scam. Yep, that's the Did name you of the game. Scammed? I'm sure, in some ways, yeah. I mean, capitalism is a scam. <laughs> Well, yeah, but they got legal scams. Sure. Like that bank, it really pisses me off. Yeah. You're trying to get me to get a personal loan. Yeah. And and I need money, and they're not doing it because of my good looks. They're doing it because they want to get the interest rate on me. Right, right. They look to see how and they can profit. Another thing that profit. really gets me is credit cards. Mm-hmm. When you always get stuck with that interest, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So anyway, remember, when something looks really good, remember the two things, fear and greed. Yes. That's what trips people up. Indeed. When you get those phone calls from the IRS or whatever, you're scared. That's the fear they take you for. And the other part is greed. Mm. You know, you're going along and all of a sudden you're not thinking anything, and this is the day you're going to get 2,900 hours. Yeah. And you're greed. Never before you were thinking of the 2900 but the greed, the greed. Yes. I, I like the pigeon drop. You know the pigeon drop, the old-style one? What's that? Oh, look, we we found a bag of money. Oh, yeah. Look at this. We're going to share it. Hey, let me get that person over there who was a stranger who was actually the partner. Come over and be our witness. Look at this sack of money we found. Me and this person is going to share it. But they have to go to the bank and get some good fake money. So they scamper off to the bank and they take out the money and give them the money 
so they can share in the bag of money that's not theirs to begin with. Oh. That's the old style one. Okay. But it still works. Hmm. Then they got the one in the Asian community where, where they get over there and they say, oh, it's terrible. The horrible thing is you're cursed or something. You got to get your money and your jewelry and put it in the bag and let me de de evilize it. You know, let me, put, you know, take the curse off of it. <laughs> then they they give you a, they switch the bag and said, leave it in the bag for special time. And then it'll be, you know, and then when they look back in the bag, it's a switched bag and your jewelry and everything's gone. Oh. I mean, I'm telling you. People are gullible as hell. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. When they start playing with me, they get mad at me. Because mm -hmm. sometimes I come right out and tell them, and, well, I, I cuss terribly at them. And they, you know, <laughs> well, I'm lucky that I didn't take the bait. But there's a lot of gullible people out there, man. Well, people are desperate. Yeah, well, that's that comes in with the greed. Mm -hmm. They know this. These people are confidence people. They know. They know how to push the right buttons. Mm -hmm. You know, like they do that romance scam. You know, they know how to uh, make you feel like you're falling in love. It's all you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in. Because I seen Dr. Field did quite a few programs on this about. They keep sending the money to the, because that we're going to get married. He loves me or she loves me. She's stuck in the country. she got to get out. <laughs> it, it's not really funny, but people should know better than be taken. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, all right. All right um, make sure you promote your thing good. I'll do my best, Gail. All right. All right, bye. Bye, Gail. Thanks for calling. Thank you to Gail for calling in. always appreciate folks calling in, sharing their perspective with us here. So back to what we were talking about before, which is uh, Hasta Muerte Coffee Shop. And they're offering drinks and snacks and hosting a specialty bookstore. And we hope to provide a warm and inclusive atmosphere for friends and neighbors to gather. We believe in non-hierarchical workspaces, quality coffee, and community building. That all sounds super awesome to me. And then, in addition, they posted something online, which I was unable to find their, their page online because they've been getting, because like many awesome places, they end up getting threats. So I'm going to post, I'm going to post, I'm going to read what a friend of mine shared that they had posted. Uh, last Friday, February 16th, so this is from a few weeks ago, uh, police OPD entered our shop and was told by one of our worker owners that we have a policy of asking police to leave for the physical and emotional safety of our customers and ourselves. Since then, cop supporters are trying to publicly shame us online with low reviews because this particular police visitor was Latino. He broadcasted to his network that he was refused service at a local business, and now the rumblings are spreading. We know in our experience working on campaigns against police brutality that we are not alone saying that police presence compromises our feelings of physical and emotional safety. There are those who do not share that sentiment, be it because they have a friend or relative who is a police, because they are white or have adopted the privileges of whiteness affords, because they are home or business owning or whatever the particular case may be. If they want to make claims about police being part of the community or claims that race trumps the badge and gun when it comes to police, they must accept that the burden of proof for such a claim is on them. 
OPD's recent attempts to enlist officers of color and its short-term touting of fewer officer-involved shootings does not reverse or mend its history of corruption, mismanagement, and scandal, nor a legacy of blatant repression. The facts are that POC, women, and queer police are complicit in upholding the same law and order that routinely criminalizes and terrorizes black and brown and poor folks, especially youth, trans, and houseless folks. For these reasons, and so many more, we need the support of the actual community to keep this place safe, not police. Especially in an area faced by drug sales and abuse, homelessness, and toxic masculinity, as we see here on this block. We want to put this out to our communities now in case we end up facing backlash because, as we know, OPD, unlike the community, has tons of resources, many of which are poured into maintaining smooth public relations to uphold power. It will be no surprise if some of those resources are steered toward discrediting us for not inviting them in as part of the community. Wow. Well, I feel like that was really well said. And so, again, really wanting to support this coffee shop. It's Hasta Muerte Cafe excuse me, cough, coffee, I can speak. And they are over on Fruitvale Avenue, close to East 27th Street. And so if you're in the neighborhood, if you work near there, live near there, or have friends near there, please do pass on the word to support this awesome co-op. They're at 2701 Fruitvale Avenue at East 27th Street. They are open every day except for Tuesdays. So uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or excuse me, Monday, Wednesday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. They're open Saturday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And they're open Sundays from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. So please, by all means, do support this coffee shop. They have espressos, smoothies, pastries, empanadas, books, and much more. And they're an awesome space that looks to really support the community. So I think that's really awesome. As opposed to some other coffee shops, uh, Phil's, for instance, that named one of their coffees like after a it was like they have a they have a discount for police officers, for instance. So for the for this shop to kind of do the opposite and to say we actually want to keep people safe here, and a lot of us feel afraid when we see police officers. So I don't have much more to say about it. I've been talking for a while now. So again, please do support this coffee shop. Again, it's hasta excuse me hasta muerte. Asta Muerte Coffee. Uh, that's AstaMuerteCoffee.com. All right. I'm not necessarily in advertising, uh, but hopefully by hearing that, we'll get some folks out there to come support this shop and others like it. And for others, other small businesses and even big businesses as well uh, to kind of take that into account that these are business models that folks are really looking out for community. All right. Moving on. We've got a story that's not sad. It's from last year. It's more of a informational history story. Occasionally, folks say, oh, here are some things that you didn't learn in history class or that you should have learned in history class. I wanted to share that with folks. So this comes from a site called hellogiggles.com, which I hadn't heard of before. That's okay. Uh, 15 trans women and non-binary activists you should be learning about in history class. So on the 8th, it was International Women's Day, which actually started off as International Working Women's Day in, that, in, in the years that the working part has kind of diminished. So wanting to share that with folks, and I think International Women's Day should be every day, and women should control everything. All right, moving along with this, <laughs> this article. It's written by Gabrielle Bellot, and it came out on March 29th. This is like last year, 2017. 
March is Women's History Month, and to honor the occasion, we'd like to create a space for all the women history forgot. For the women who deserve a place in our textbooks, for the women whose voices should echo. This piece, just one in a series, is for them. We have always been a foundational part of history, yet the idea of women's history as a distinct category is relatively recent. Like Black History Month, Women's History Month has a has wide-ranging origins, but both had their clearest beginnings in the early 19th century, when there began to appear days and events designed to commemorate the achievement of our marginalized groups, most notably International Women's Day. In 1980, President Carter issued the country's first presidential statement on Women's History Week when he attempted to add a constitutional amendment which was never ratified, barring sex-based discrimination. Two years later, Reagan wrote a proclamation for Women's History Week. Then, in 1987, the year the author was born, Women's History Week expanded into a month. But which women? Womanhood, womanhood is broad, complex. There is a long history of women of certain complexions or faiths or sexual orientations being denied their full humanity relative to other women. And it is only recently that trans women, like the author, have begun to enter these conversations, even as trans people have always existed in the shadows and sun alike. Trans womanhood is womanhood, for there are many ways to exist in the constellations of gender, and acknowledging trans women as part of Women's History Month is important, for it does what Women's History Month itself is designed to do, to reclaim the importance of women so often lost, erased, made more ghost than girl, by the patriarchal pen that's written most of history. We are here, beautiful and proud as women from all diverse walks of experience should be, yet we frequently only hear one or two names of our historical representatives, Lily Elby and Christine Jorgensen. Of course, today we are blessed with figures like Janet Mock, Jennifer Finney Boylan, Laverne Cox, and so many others, but there are many more spanning eras and oceans. And so, here are some of the wonderful trans women the history books often didn't contain, don't contain, Many of these figures existed before the word transgender even did, and we must be careful not to assume that labels of the present always def define people of the past as they might for us today. Many also underwent reassignment surgery, yet it's important to note that not all trans people desire or can afford such procedures, and being trans does not equivalent, is not equivalent to what surgeries one may or may not have had. With all that said, these figures, to me, fit a, within a broad history of transness, and even some are virtually unknown. Now, it's my pleasure, the author says, to write in a bit of their histories so we don't need to be ghosts any longer. The first one is Chevalier Dion, and this is from, um, and this person lived from 1728 to 1810. Wow. Spy, diplomat, fencer, enigma. The Chevalier Dion was many things, but most of all, she remains a mystery. She helped negotiate an end to a seven-year war between France and Britain in 1763. Later, King Louis XVI, fearing blackmail from Dion, she had been recalled from London to France by the king, then threatened to reveal French plans to invade England if she wasn't allowed to stay, made an extraordinary order that Dion could remain in Britain, but only if she lived full-time as a woman. Dion, who was already known for presenting as female, encouraged the idea, taking the name Mademoiselle de Beaumont. She appears in many illustrations from the period, but is most famously immortalized in a portrait in London's National Gallery. It's difficult to know for sure if she would identify today as transgender, but given her desire to live full-time as a woman, despite how disempowering it was in patriarchal England, she is undeniably a part of our history worth remembering. 
Number two, Mary Jones, who lived from 1784 to 1864. One of the earliest recorded stories of a trans woman in America, Jones was a black sex worker in New York. One night in 1836, Robert Haslam, a white mason worker, found her in an alley and decided to pay her for sex. On his way back, he discovered he was missing $99. Jones was brought to court for theft, and despite the constant jeers, she arrived in elegant women's clothing each day. She testified that she always dressed like that in New Orleans and amongst other people of color. After days of insults and jokes at her expense, the court sentenced Jones to five years in prison. Ugh. And she was commemorated in an illustration that I'm not even going to... It was... Okay. Despite the discrimination she faced as a queer sex worker of color, Mary Jones refused to give up her identity. Though the court system challenged her and wanted her to conform to standards that weren't in line with what she believed, Mary stood strong. With this in mind, she not only made her mark on history, but also remains an important example in court records. All right, next up is Lily Elby, and she lived from 1882 to 1931. One of the most iconic and tragic names in our early history, the Danish trans woman Lily Elby, is a reminder of how far we have come and how far we have failed to move forward. A painter married to another painter, Elby's story began, according to her own account, when, she, when one of her wife, Gerda's models, failed to show. Gerda and Elby modeled. In, Ger, uh, excuse me, Gerda had Elby model instead. The moment was astonishing to Elby. It just felt right to dress in women's clothes to be depicted as one. She continued to do so in private at Gerda's encouragement, but she also, but she was also confused by those feelings. And they have some photos here. Um, the dysphoria was overwhelming and inexplicable for her. Doctors shook their heads at her, and LB became despairingly convinced that my case has never been known in the history of medical art. In 1930, she planned to kill herself. The legendary Dr. Magnus Hirschfeld, who was working on determining how sex, sexual orientation, and gender were connected, briefly saved her, claiming he could implant a womb into LB using a new experimental procedures. LB, who was by then divorced, took the risk undergoing multiple surgeries. She began living in society as LB, despite rejection from many who had known her before, and said she wanted to give birth. Unfortunately, she died the following year after Hirschfeld's uterus implant. But, at least briefly, she was an incredible figure for her time next lucy hicks anderson who lived from 1886 to 1954 a true unsung pioneer anderson was born in 1886 in kentucky from a young age she wanted to present as female and said she wished to be called lucy rather than her birth name which i'm not gonna repeat because why is that even in the article which worried her mother astonishingly for the first time a physician advised that lucy be raised a girl as a girl anderson married two men in her life fighting for her marriages to be accepted as legal and for her to be accepted as a woman making her both an early fighter for marriage equality and for transgender acceptance however she was accused of having quote-unquote lied under oath during her marriage by not disclosing that she was assigned male at birth her response, while not accepted, was powerful. I defy any doctor in the world to prove that I am not a woman, she told reporters. I have lived, dressed, acted just as I am, a woman. And they also have photos here of Lucy Hicks Anderson. And she was um and she was a black transgender woman who was tried for perjury after marrying the man she loved, and that was from a tweet by Raquel Willis. Next up. Cochinello, uh, one word, one name, from who lived from 1931 to 2006. 
uh, born in Paris in 1931. The actress and showgirl Jacqueline Dufresnoy, best known by her stage name Cosinelle, was one of the earliest trans women to undergo reassignment surgery. She began taking hormone therapy in 1952, the year Christine Jorgensen became America's most visible trans woman, and seven years later uh, got a vaginoplasty. The entertainer soon became a star, being featured in films and performances, and Italian singer Gigo Agosti even dedicated a song called Cozzanella to her. Her surgery and subsequent marriage in France led to the country amending its law so that the gender on one's birth certificate could be amended after a similar surgery. It also led to France allowing trans citizens to legally get married. Cochinelle went on to found a number of organizations devoted to helping trans and gender nonconforming individuals. All right, next up is Christine Jorgensen. A lot of us know about her, so I'm going to skip this one. Next up is Carlette Brown, who was born in 1927. I want to become a woman just as quickly as possible. That's all, Carlette Brown, an African-American vet, said after the story of Christine Jorgensen's reassignment surgery broke. I'll become a citizen of any country that will allow me the treatment that I need to be operated on, she continued, as gender reassignment was not then legal in the United States. Brown was intersex. While her physician suggested she undergo surgery to become more, quote-unquote, typically male, Brown wanted the opposite. A year after Jorgensen made headlines, Jet Magazine put Brown on its cover to spotlight her then revolutionary story. And she was, albeit cringingly, okay, I'm not going to read what they said because the the wording's language is problematic. Before she could travel, she was arrested for cross-dressing, then held for not paying taxes. Soon after, she seems to have disappeared. Wow. Next up is Sylvia Rivera. Many of us know about Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson. Many of us know about her as well putting lots of love and energy out to them next uh sir lady java born in 1943 for a long time cross-dressing was illegal in much of america and trans women who would have simply been dressing were treated the same as cross-dressers sir lady java who was born in new orleans and later moved to los angeles protested la's notorious rule number nine which banned cross-dressing java who worked as both a waitress and female impersonator at the red fox club and who claimed to have dated Sammy Davis Jr., was profiled in Jet Magazine for her curvaceous beauty and her persistent picketing. Bowing to pressure from the LAPD, who wanted Java's act at the club stopped, again, the fucking police, (laughs) ruining so many people's lives, Red Fox fired her, and she joined the ACLU to protest. While her claim was ultimately rejected, Java received national attention, particularly from African-American and queer publications, and was undoubtedly a factor in such laws ultimately disappearing. Renee Richards, many of us know. And 12 is Mayan Bagger um, from 1960, who was born in 1966. I have not heard of her. Another groundbreaking trans athlete, Mayan Bagger was born in Copenhagen in 1966 and moved with her family to Australia when she was 12. She began playing golf. Uh, my voice is getting a little bit... Uh, Tired. Next up, 13, Joelle D'Souza, who was born in 1974. And Joelle's an animal advocate, LGBTQ activist, and hairdresser from Trinidad and Tobago. And next up is Nong Toom, born in 1981. And Nong was born in a, f- in a family 
of nomads in a poor village in Thailand and was expelled from a monastery as a child. At 12, she began training to become a Muay Thai kickboxer and became a champion, winning 20 out of 22 matches so she could afford the extravagant fees of the gender reassignment surgery she'd wanted since she was a child. In 99, she underwent surgery and began living full-time as female. And... Next is 15, Angela Morley, who lived from 1924 to 2009, and she's a female composer, and not only one of the only openly trans composers anywhere, she was born in Yorkshire, she won Emmys, and she was also the first openly trans person to be nominated for an Academy Award. She passed away in 2009. And at the end, the article, the author says, of course, this list is by no means conclusive. And we all know that there's so many people out there, many people in history and people who are around now. So wanting just to provide a, a larger umbrella under all the folks that we celebrate during this month. All right. I think it's time for a music break. And that makes me feel a lot better. So... Again, let's let's find some good music that will make folks maybe perk up a little bit. And um someone had mentioned a a Kate Bush song last last week that we played. It was a little bit depressing. I'm gonna play a different one tonight. Today. It's not tonight yet. I'm also getting to the point where Ready to take a break. So here's some uh, Kate Bush, and we'll be back in a little bit.
at my table and waged war on myself. It seems like it's all, it's all for nothing. I know the barricades and I know the mortar in the wall breaks. I recognize the weapons, use them Understanding of my finest defenses I proclaim the claims are left unstated I demand a rematch I decree a stalemate I divine my deeper motives I recognize the weapons I practiced them well I fitted them myself my mistake Let me make it good I raise the wall And I will be the one to knock it down Reach out for This is my world, and I am a world leader, pretend this is my life, this is my time, I have been given the freedom to do as I see fit, it's high time I raise the walls that I've constructed, it's amazing. my mistake let me make it good I raise the wall and I will be the one to knock it down you fill in the mortar you fill in the harmony Right, we are wrapping up the show here. I'll I'll provide two more headlines and folks if you'd like to read more about these stories by all means. The first story comes from the Denver Post, denverpost.com. Colorado protesters block bulldozer at oil and gas industry site near Bella Romero School east of Greeley. 
Weld County deputies jail 23-year-old man who chained himself to Bulldozer and charged him with trespassing. Ugh. I mean, good for folks for protecting the earth. And, uh, yeah. And the next story is similarly from The Guardian and at theguardian.com. Attacks and killings. Human rights activists at growing risk study claims. And again, these studies provide what a lot of us already know. Research shows 34% rise in attacks against campaigners defending land, environment, and labor rights in the face of corporate activity. I'll read the first paragraph here. Human rights defenders who challenge big corporations are being killed, assaulted, harassed, and suppressed in growing numbers, researchers have claimed. A survey by the Business and Human Rights Resource Center recorded a 34% global rise in attacks against human rights activists last year, including 120 alleged murders and hundreds of other cases involving threats, assaults, and intimidation. The number of incidents were found to have risen sharply, with 388 attacks recorded in 2017 compared with 290 the previous year. Uh, the research founded on attacks the research fa focused on attacks against activists involved in protests against corporate activities victims included unionists protests whistleblowers and indigenous communities and for folks if you want to read the full article um, I will share that right now and it was written by Annie Kelly and I'll share that also on the Facebook webpage and this came out today sorry to provide new I mean I'm not sorry but or try not to use the word but. I'm sorry, and this is the world we're living in, and I typically like to end on a positive note, and I don't really have one at the moment. So any musical requests from anyone here to end on a happy note, by all means, uh, please do stay tuned, because next up uh, will be Women's Magazine with Global Val, followed by the Common Thread Collective, and today and uh, we'll have a, there's be a special guest on the show. So sure, yeah, and Val's going to announce the, the special guest on the next program. Hey, everybody. This is Global Val. Thanks for listening to MutinyRadio.fm. Coming up next on Women's Magazine, I'm going to be interviewing Al Angela Aliotto, who is running for mayor currently. She, this will be the third time she's run for mayor. She was previously on the board, San Francisco Board of Supervisors, also acted as the president of the board. She wrote sanctuary, the first sanctuary city law. She wrote the first anti-smoking law. Uh, law that bans smoking in bars and restaurants. Um, the, she wrote the uh, San Francisco needle exchange law and also helped pass wow. the first medical marijuana law wow. in the country. Wow. So, a lot of firsts uh, from uh, Ms. Aliotto. She's a civil rights attorney as well. Um, her father was the mayor back in the 60s. Oh. Joe Aliotto was her father. So she comes from a long line of um, San Francisco political figures and uh, she is full of passion and love for San Francisco. So she's going to be my guest on Women's Magazine to talk about some of her priorities in the campaign. And then in two weeks, I'm going to interview uh, London Breed, who is the current president of the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco, who is also running for mayor. So it's the Global Val's election season wow. circuit. Wow. Circus. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. That sounds really exciting. I'm going to stick around for sure. So please do stay tuned. We're going to end on a, on a happy, positive song. And please do stay tuned to Meet New Radio. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. 
If you would like to donate at all, please check out patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. Go to mutinyradio.fm. There are a lot of shows here every day of the week to come in and listen to, to support. If you'd like a show here of your own, there are slots available, so please do get in touch. If you'd like to have a show here, just involves getting trained, and then you get two hours a week to provide any type of show you would like. Lots of options. So thanks again, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back next week. Take care, everyone. Tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. 
They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just cram full of cannabis energy. 
They're more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base 10 times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you practically feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. We've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Uh, every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot of bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open uh, in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shot. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF. I love their their variety of cheese and home decor items uh, and this of unique items that you can't find anywhere else. Their cheese section is insane. I love Rainbow Grocery because it's the number one grocery store to shop at when you're having a potluck and need to fulfill everyone's dietary needs. 
They don't have meat. Rainbow Grocery Cooperative, an amazing San Francisco staple since 1975. For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com So you want to be a comic? It's not as easy as we make it look. But that's because Mutiny Radio has a 